0: Father, this time that we're about to move in with teaching, we can't understand your word. It doesn't make sense to us and our spirits if you don't open it up. So unlock this for us, Holy Spirit. Make it so plain. Make it relevant. May Jesus be glorified by what we read. And by everything that is shared, oh, we appreciate you so much, so much. We intentionally, right now, all over this, all over this building, and for those that are watching online who we love, we turn from anything that's not like you. So, Lord, if we've had a breakdown in communication with maybe our children or our spouse, our husband, our wife, our cousin, our neighbor, please forgive us. If there are things that we've said or that we've done, and while we know you love us, we also know you're holy. So if there's any action, Any statement, any mood, anything we've allowed to stay in our imagination that goes against you and goes against your holy word, we ask you to wash us, please, and forgive us. This is our worship to you. We know that the highest form of worship, Lord, is obedience. And so we come saying, help us as we move forward. Thank you for your forgiveness, but help us to stand for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I love repentance. And if you have been afraid of repentance, get comfortable with it. Not comfortable where... You're always feeling like, man, I'm always sinning. I'm always missing it. And that may have happened up to this point. But get comfortable saying, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to be in line with you. And Repentance, as I say all the time, it just means turn. It just means turn. That's all repentance is. But when you do it, the Bible says in the book of Acts, the third chapter, Times of refreshing come. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So I always want to be refreshed. And that's vertical and horizontal turning. So if somebody has done something to you in family, be quick to forgive them. Don't hold it. Don't talk about it. Don't spread it. Be quick. And if you're having a hard time forgiving them, say, Holy Spirit, help me. And when you allow him to come in, he'll remind you of how much the Father has forgiven you. He'll remind you of how much grace you've received. So be quick to repent, quick to forgive, and quick to love. You guys receive that? Yeah? Person that's near you, will you just say to them, Hey, I love you. I know I just met you or whatever, but say, I love you. 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 So you you know what love is. Love is love is the God-given ability to view another as valuable and precious. So when you say I love you, what you're saying is essentially you're valuable to me, you're precious to me. Here's another, here's another word I like, you're significant to me. You're significant. And the enemy would want you to think and to feel like you're not. That's why there's so much depression and hopelessness because the enemy comes with a perspective that says you're not valuable. And sometimes it's based on something you did. Maybe you sinned or maybe you said something. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you you made a bad choice. And he pounces on that and tries to bring hopelessness out of it. Well, Jesus didn't come uh, to make us hopeless. He came to make things right. That's not just at salvation. That's not just when you become a Christian. Who's a Christian in here? Raise your hand. High as you can if you're a Christian. And wave it out. Wave Say, look at me, I'm a Christian. Now look around, now look around. Keep waving and look around. Look at this house. Oh, man. But sometimes we come to God and we're, there we are. New faith, new love. It's like, oh, Lord, I've got so much hope. I've, I've got so much um, peace. There's so much love in me. I don't even want to step on a bug. I'll, I'll pick the bug up and take it outside, you know. But as time goes, sometimes the offenses will build up, and maybe we'll do something, and all of a sudden, hope wanes. We don't expect God's goodness. That's, a, that's the definition of hope. We had, a, we had a Wednesday night session once, and I remember I had just met, there's a beautiful uh, couple in this church, it's a... Uh, Husband's name is John. Wife's name is Karen. And, uh, and I remember we were talking about hope. And I said, you guys know a definition for hope? And Karen said, I know it. It's a confident expectation. It's an expectation of God's goodness. I'm like, whoa! And that's, what, that's, a, that's what's been in my heart, actually, for about, I don't know, maybe five years or so. Expectation of God's goodness. And so... Let that be throughout. Let it be throughout. And let that be your posture. Let it be your posture. Be a person of hope. Be a person of joy. Be a person of life. Expect God's goodness to come wherever you go. Because when you're filled with hope, that makes you a container. And everywhere you go, God gets to pour you out. Man, is that a picture? And the devil doesn't want you to be filled with hope, he wants you sad. He wants you hopeless. He wants you depressed. He wants you in fear. Fear. That's another thing that he comes with. So so be built up today and be a person of hope. Put your hand on your chest and say, Holy Spirit, fill me this morning with hope and then lead me to others that I can deposit hope. The hope of God's goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's get into some teaching. Um, I, I, I will uh, comment on one thing that, um, that Julie Cointot shared. Doesn't Julie do announcements and welcoming so good? Put your hands together for Julie. Great job, Julie. But she mentioned something that's happening in the tri-state area on Pentecost Sunday. Remember, there's a period of time between Jesus being raised from the dead and then him ascending. And when he ascended, he said, I want you to go and wait for the promise of the Father. That was the Holy Spirit coming. It's a, it's a switch. He told the disciples once, he said, he said I've got to go because if I don't go, he won't come. He won't come. And so when you look at that space between resurrection The Bible says he was walked, he walked, he showed himself to many for 40 days. He showed himself to so many. It's interesting that as many as he showed himself to, I think the Bible records that it was like 500 people saw him, and he told them, he says, look, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, he's going to fill you with boldness. He's going to guide you into all truth, He'll strengthen you. He's the one that will tell you everything that, uh, this is Jesus speaking, that me and the Father will be talking about things that I'll be praying for. All of that. Because, you know, the Bible says that Jesus forever is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Oh, man. I just got this surge, man. And here's the statement. So if you never think anybody's praying for you, always know that Jesus is praying for you. He is forever making intercession to God on your behalf. And so there they are talking. There they are communicating. And Jesus says in St. John chapter 16, verse 13 to 15. This is St. John chapter 16, verses 13 15. He says when he comes talking about the Holy Spirit he's not going to talk about himself. He won't talk about himself. He won't say I this or I that. No. He says, Jesus says he'll take from me and he'll give it to you. He says everything that I have belongs to the Father and everything the Father has is mine and that's why I said the Holy Spirit will take of me He'll take whatever it is that is my desire, my opinion, my perspective, you know, my goals, and he will give it to you. It's a beautiful picture. You know, before we stop today, we'll do a visual on that. We'll do a visual on that. Uh, I'm going to need some volunteers. I'll need three volunteers for my visual. Got any, any visuals? I got one volunteer. I got two volunteers. I need one more. Three. All right, three volunteers. So when it's time, when it's time, I need the three of you to come up. So, but here's that picture. Jesus is raised from the dead. He goes, shows himself to his disciples. He goes all over the place. 500 people he reveals himself to. And here he is on that day, and he's about to literally go up. And he's standing there talking, and then all of a sudden, he just starts going up, up. Now, before he does, he says, now go and wait for the promise. And that's talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, and so he um, he ascends, and then they go and gather and wait. He showed himself to five hundred, but the Bible says in the Book of Acts, on that day, when when Pentecost actually did come, there were only hundred and twenty. What happened to the three eighty? That's important. And it's not important for shame. It's just to let you know that if you're not intentional about gathering, things can come up. Perspective can shift. And you may not see the need for it, but they were all there in one place. And they were on one accord. And I think it took time for them to get on one accord. As as I said last week, you know, There were those who had issues, had issues. So it took a little bit of time for them to work those things out. But it says, when they were on one accord, here comes the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he's here. The Holy Spirit is here. Now, do we want to yield to him better? Yes. Do we want to learn his voice more? Yes. Why? Why? Because just like Jesus said, I must work the work of him that sent me while it's daytime because night is coming and we won't be able to work. And that's for us as well. That's for us. We have to do the very things that he, when I said earlier about I learned how to give ministry away from Jesus, that's what happened. He was here and he's like, I'm going to leave and I'm going to give it all to you. I'm the light. But you're now the light. And so, we, you know, we unpack all of this. And this is why I take moments to teach on something. I take a rabbit trail or, you know. And I'll, I'll just talk about some things just to get it in your, in your heart. And I'll say it over and over again. And that's part of, part of my teaching on repetition. I'll bring it up today. But going back to that gathering, this tri-state gathering, we have all these tribes that are all over. And, um, and the Lord said, let's, let's move forward. Let's, let's all come together in the region. And so we've got, you know, we're, we, we have it set for 3,000 people to come. But we've got busloads coming from just, man, all over Delaware, New Jersey, Lancaster, Pottstown, all within the Philadelphia region they're coming. Um, and we're gathering at the Pennsylvania Convention Center on Pentecost Sunday, that's May 28th. It's going to be a Sunday afternoon. It's going to be from 4 to 7. And even here, I would love for you all to be a part of that. And so um, we'll we'll get a bus and we'll uh, we'll start getting some sign-ups because we really want you guys to be there. Um, we're gathering all, all over. And there are th- three things that we're going to pray when we get there. We're going to pray repentance in the body of Christ. This isn't for... This isn't for our county and, and for our city and for our, our state. Mm-mm. It's for the church. This is a church gathering. And um, we're going to pray into repentance. It's going to be individual. We're going to have some, some small group stuff, and then we'll have some, some group sharing. Um, we're going to have beautiful music. That'll help. But it's not speaker-driven or high-energy entertainment driven. No, this is us coming together as the church because we want to see three things happen. We want repentance to come with us. We want there to be oneness with us. We're going to pray in the church unity and then we're going to pray for um, a greater advancement of the Holy Spirit through the church in our region. uh, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania. And only the church can lead the way. And so I I'm, I'm not being ambiguous about this. I'm not. I'm, I'm coming straight forward, flat-footed, flat-footed, which means I'm not tiptoeing around. <laughs> That's what flat-footed means. I want all of you to be there. And I've been to churches all over the region, um, saying just that. But this is this is us. So you know, I, I definitely want us to be there. And it'll be from four to seven. We'll end service early that day, and um, and we'll we'll get down there and we'll gather and, and we'll have a great time. all right? Now help me, help me with this. look at somebody and say, we need to be there. We need to be we need to be there. all right? Okay, okay. All right, so um, let's oh, and so you can uh, they'll have it up on the screen. There's a QR code that you can take a picture of and if you don't, you know just go to. Come to the altar. They, yes, they can scan. They can scan the QR code. Do they have cards? Have they been given out? Yep. Okay. And we'll have some more next week. But if you want to just go to uh, um, come to the altar dot info, um, you'll you'll be able to get in and register because we um, we want to, and, and we want to see we want to see this thing spill out into the streets, Reading Terminal and all that's around there. And this isn't for weirdness. This is for the love of God. When it gets into the street, there were people from all over, all over. All nations were showing up. They're like, "What is this?" It's like these are the wonderful words of God and God's love for everybody. And so that's what we want to that's what we want to see, that's what we want to do. So let's get into some teaching. Um I've been laying a foundation, and uh, each one of you, and as I said over the past uh, couple months, my goal is to meet with each one of you individually. We're gonna talk in corporate setting, but I also wanna talk to you individually um, because we wanna, we wanna strengthen the culture of the house. And so, Catching the Scent is the series. Catching the Scent of the House. Everybody say that out loud. Catching the Scent of the house. The house, First Corinthians chapter 11, and verse one, is what we've been looking at, and this is what he says: "And you should imitate me, just as I imitate Christ." And uh, there are three houses. I, I've said it over and over. Um, we gathered this past um, this past Friday. Um, uh, this huge hotel, big hotel. I think it was like 300 plus during the day leaders um, from all over the region. And then um, in the evening, we had, you know, you know, 300 teenagers and young adults. And we're all learning how to lead people to Jesus in a practical way. Represent Jesus well, <laughs> not weird. Weird. Everybody say that. Say I want to represent Jesus. Well, represent Jesus well. Not, weird. not weird, not weird, not weird, not weird. And so, but when we're doing that, we're we're looking at, hey, you know, what is, what is this, what is the scent of Jesus? And while we were there, we were talking about those three temples. Me, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I've got a house. It's my physical temple that Jesus resides in through the through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then the house that I live in. We were praying over our individual houses earlier. God, fill my house, fill our house. I live when you know Trinity Turn, Lord, fill Trinity Turn, fill my my house where Pam and I and our our youngest son live. Fill it. But then um, here's the. A bigger expression of it there's an individual expression there is a family expression and then here's a body of christ expression and we gather here you know twice a week and we want the spirit of god to be here ezekiel 47 if you want to write that that passage of scripture down verses 1 to 12 talks about what happens when the house is filled the spirit of god fills it and it's supposed to be filled with the the, uh, the presence of God, but it shouldn't stay in here. It then goes out under the doorpost. The water came out under the doorpost. Water is a it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It goes out under the doorpost, and then it goes into the streets. And the further it goes, the higher it gets. The further the stream, the guy was measuring. He says, "Watch what I'm doing." This is in Ezekiel 47, and he went a little way and he measured. Uh, 1,750 feet, and the water came up to the ankles. And then he went further 1,750 feet, and the water came up to the knees. And each time he measured further, the higher. There it is. Man, those tech people are great. He, he, measured, he measured it, and the further out it went, the higher it went. And then he says it got so high where I, I couldn't walk in it. I could swim in it, but I couldn't walk in it, and um, and that's what's supposed to happen when we are in we are in our temples. And that's me individually. I should be filled with the Spirit of God every day. How do I know I'm filled with the Spirit of God every day? Is it because um, it, is it because of my actions, where I um, I uh, I prophesy or I speak in tongues? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a good picture of it. You know you're filled with the Spirit when the fruit of the Spirit are evident in your life. Things like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, faith. And so we want to make sure that those kinds of things Fill us up individually. Fill up in my house. Anytime somebody knocks on my door, peace should come out. Peace should come. When the mailman comes to my door, I should be coming to him not with an attitude. (laughs) I should be coming to him, hey, how you doing? That's how I try to be with my mailman. Try to be that way with landscaper. Try and be that with even the people who... Who come by and knock on your door and they they interrupt you, you know they, they want to sell you siding or you know, hey we're in the, we're down the street doing some roof some roof work, and so that's how it should be. So when that when that river fills it up, there ought to be indicators. And how is it? Well, Paul says in uh, Corinthians chapter. 11 and verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Or you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So speaking of this temple, which should be um, representing it in your house and in your individual life, we want to make sure that there are certain things that flow around here every time somebody comes in. Every time somebody comes in. Every, each time. There's a, there's a wonderful young adult um, here. Her name is Lana. And just the presence of God should happen in, with that interaction. There's another brother here. His name is Duncan. And and as I meet with him, it's like, oh, man, his his son, wonderful son, Jeremiah, beautiful, beautiful 11-year-old daughter named Jennifer. And as I meet with him, it's like, man, the scent of the house should be there. It should be there. And that's not just for them and for me, but it should be for you as well. We're going to have a community. We're going to have a community day right out on um, the lawn, all of the property. Give me a heads up. All of the property, there are those who have been dreaming. I know Dawn's been dreaming about this. We're going to have a big community day. And in this community day, we're going to have so many things. There's going to be big moon bounce and super slides. There's going to be a lot of music, food. There's going to be so much fun. And it's going to attract people. And people are going to come. When they come, the scent of the house should be there. Jesus did it. He didn't have the moon bounce in the super slide. He had fish and loaves. (laughs) He had had fish and loaves. And when he did, they came. And he had to make sure the guys knew, hey, remember the scent. Because they're like, how are we going to feed all these people? (laughs) He's like, remember the scent of the house. And faith is going to come. And God's going to give us strategic ways on how to bless these families. Broken people will be coming. Those who have been experiencing depression, those who have been experiencing temptations or suicide, those who have been experiencing division in their homes, brokenness, fear, those who have been experiencing division, and they're going to come because we're going to, in wisdom, in wisdom, give them fish and loaves. We're going to bless them. We're going to bless them. And when they come in the blessing, you're going to hear. You're going to hear. And God's going to create moments just like between Jesus and the woman at the well. He's going to create moments just like Jesus and Zacchaeus hanging out in the tree. And we get a chance to let the river, the water that fills up in here, get under the doorposts and be all around this property. Does that make sense? put our hands together for God giving us vision on that thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord and and please know that's not a Pastor Terry thing that's going to be all of us we're all going to be the participants so I need you to start praying into that praying into that and as I give ministry away start to dream on how cool it could be start to write down some wonderful ideas and every voice matters does that make sense so as we look at this picture of um, creating a culture, understanding culture, catching the scent, what's the vision here? We've given you five things, five things that we look at. We look at love. we got to be solid in that. Unity. we got to be solid in that. Scripture. That has to be our basis. There's, a, there's, there's something that I gave as it relates to uh, the word of God. The word of God is the foundation. It's the foundation. It's our stability, not just for us as a congregation, but us as individuals. So love, unity, the word of God or scripture, humility, which we're going to unpack a little bit today and Wednesday, and then finally, the Holy Spirit. Those are the five things. You guys got them? Write them down or take a picture. Write them down or take a picture because the whole point is that you get it. I don't want to be the kind of leader that every Sunday you guys wait for something to say, wow, good message. Woo, that's so good. No, 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 no. You know, when the disciples were talking to Jesus, he, his plan wasn't for them to say, yo, you really preached a hot word today, Jesus. That was You were on fire. No, Jesus is trying to get the message into them because he knows he's going to be out. He knows he's going to leave and that work has to continue. Now, I'm not going to be out, but we all have to get this thing down. Because if it's one person, it ends up turning into this, this, um, this craze, which I've seen for years, even as coming up in the church and, you know, young, young Christian, teenage Christian, young adult Christian, you know, t- hero worship. We got to be careful of hero worship where everything is about the, the, the charismatic delivery of an individual, you know, the way they dress, the way they look, their ability to, to teach and preach and, and really convince. No, that's why I appreciate Moses who stuttered because it shows that God can use anyone. But in our culture, we love superstars. In our culture, we love to worship and that's really the DNA of every person. God's created us with a desire to worship, but it should be that we're worshiping Him. And so, when it comes now, uh, how do we get and advance the kingdom of God, the love of God, the heart of heaven? You have to make sure that everyone is equipped to do it. Everyone. And watch this wonderful, wonderful video on Friday. Um, and you're going to hear in a, in a couple weeks, a couple weeks, I'm going to invite um, uh, two dear friends of ours um, from, uh, from South Korea, uh Yo-sup and Jisan. And they're amazing. She's going to sing. She's going to go to the piano, and she's going to sing songs that, that God has inspired. She'll sing it in English. You'll understand it beautiful gifts beautiful gifts and Yosep has a has a prophetic word interesting thing is that Yosep is in a wheelchair he was in an accident about seven years ago in South Korea and so from his waist down he doesn't have any movement yet the power of God flows through him see everyone is significant look at someone and say everyone is significant And we all have to get this thing down. So it doesn't matter your color, your culture, your ethnicity, old, young, male, female. God wants to use everyone. Everyone. And so the picture of all of this, love, unity, the word of God, scripture, humility, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says, get this thing in here. Teary. He calls me Terry. He doesn't call me Pastor Terry. He calls me Terry. A lot of times he calls me son. A lot of times he calls me son. (laughs) So I'm giving you that, not for you to think that I'm something special in this regard, that only God talks to me like that. No, I'm showing you that so that you know he can talk to you like that too. He calls you by your name. He knows your name. They started singing it over here. (laughs) He knows your name. But then he calls you daughter. He calls you son. Sometimes he'll call you my love. He told me one time, he says, you're the apple of my eye, Terry. I'm crying all over the place. Writing it all down. Because it's important that when he talks to you and he shares that to you, with you, that you write it down. Because the tempter will come and say things like, if you be his daughter, if you are his son. Just like he did with our big brother who is also our king and our Lord Jesus. He was an example for us to show us it's important for us to remember. So... Um, Let's look at uh, three scriptures, Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to look at, and I hope you write these down because this is the education that I'm giving you right now on repetition. Repetition is key, and the things that I do, I try and learn from how Jesus did certain things. So we're going to look at systematic repetition in scripture on a particular topic. We're not looking at the topic itself, I'm just showing you how important it is for repetition. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, and then we're going to go to Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 19, and then we're going to look at Acts chapter 10, verse 36 to 38. And so the first one on the screen is Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Look what he says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good things, and to the meek, he had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2 says, to proclaim, it's still talking about the spirit of the Lord, being on, coming upon. He says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Now, I'll give you a heads up. That second part of verse 2, the first part of verse 2 says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then it says these other two parts, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. That last two parts, vengeance specifically, um, keep an eye on that when we go to Luke chapter, Luke chapter 4. So now let's go to Luke chapter 4. And this is, this is if, we can, if we can start, I'm going to give you a little background. We're going to start reading verse 17. I'm going to give you a little background. This is Jesus coming out of the wilderness. Before he went into the wilderness, he's baptized. He goes to John, his cousin, and he says, John, will you baptize me? It's is John the Baptist. John baptizes him in water, and when he comes up out of the water, here's this second baptism. There's another baptism that took place. And that's where it says, as soon as he comes up, it says, the Holy Spirit came down. It says he came down like a dove. I said before, he's not a dove, but he came down like a dove. It's very gentle. In other words, when you, when you say, Holy Spirit, fill me, he's not going to throw you up against a wall. All right? See, the, see the, uh, the temperament of the Holy Spirit. He's very gentle. He's very gentle. It says, so it says, it came down on him after he came up out of the water. Spirit of God came down on him like a dove. And heaven opened, and it says, this is my son, um, whom I'm well pleased. So he goes into the, the wilderness. He's tempted. He shows us how to handle temptation in the wilderness. And then he comes out of the wilderness. And this is where we pick up here. He comes out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, he got baptized in water, but then it says the Spirit of God descended on him. Look what he says in verse 17. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet, Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, I didn't say Isaiah 61, but there was a place that he looked and he found it. And it was for us what we just read in Isaiah 61. And now this is Jesus reading. Look what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if you continue with those verses, he says, it says, at that, he closed the book, sat down, and began to say certain things. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Verse 20. You guys are good. Verse 20, he says, and then he closed the book, gave it again to the minister, sat down. The eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him, and he began to say to them, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. In other words, what we read in Isaiah 61, Jesus found it, and then he says, I'm that guy. But the interesting thing is that You notice he came short of talking about vengeance because that's not what he was coming to preach and that's not what we're coming to preach. We've got to be very intentional when we go and share. There are loads of things that are in scripture, but we need to say what Jesus is saying. And so... Two passages of scripture we get already. Number one, Isaiah 61. And then we see it lived out in Luke chapter 4. And that's an important message because he says the same thing everywhere. Why am I bringing this up? Because as we talk about love, unity, the word of God. Holy uh, Holy Spirit, humility. As we talk about that over and over and over and over and over, the pattern is, is that Jesus says the same things all the time. We've got to get good at saying it all the time because that's how we get it in our heart. He says meditate on the word of God day and night so it gets into your heart. And then you'll observe to do or it'll fix your heart. And then success comes as a result. Let's go to Acts and let's see what happened from those who were watching this, okay? So now you've got them telling that Jesus is coming. Then Jesus comes and does what he said he was going to do. He does it. And now here is Peter talking about Jesus having done it. And look what he says. Verse 36, he says, That word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Hey, let's say that together real loud in parentheses. He is Lord of all. Let's say it one more time real, real loud. He is Lord of all. Come on, y'all. I'm a horse. Come on. He, he is Lord of all. Man, he's Lord. I never get tired of saying that. I never I had a friend of mine, Bishop Naughty Moses, from lagos nigeria he would come i remember back when i first started uh, pastoring i met him really in the supernatural way but um one of his his son uh, joshua was coming to our church at the time college student at drexel he says you really need to meet my dad so ended up we ended up meeting and uh naughty moses would come and each time he'd come he says we're about to say jesus is lord he says and when we do it you can't have your hands in your pocket you can't have your hands folded. You gotta, you gotta have your hands up and declare Jesus is Lord. Let's try it, let's try it. Everybody scream it loud, hands up. Jesus is Lord ooh, ooh. of all, of all, of all. So look what Peter said, look what Peter says. That word, and this is that word that Jesus came to preach. That word, I say, you know, and this is the cool part, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. You know the baptism that John preached. It was John the Baptist. John baptized people in water. And Then in verse 38, this is the word. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Or one translation says, God was on him. So you see the system, you see the repetition. Isaiah said, there's one coming. And he's going to say this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. So then in Luke, you see Jesus actually come and he even finds the place. He's like, Where's that at? Where's that? Ah, here it is. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he's on me for a reason the poor, the blind, the captive, the lame, the brokenhearted, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then after Jesus has walked the earth, healing, delivering, setting people free. And now he's crucified, buried, raised up from the dead for our justification. Now, here it is later, Peter. And there are some that say that this is 10 years after Jesus has ascended. And Peter is saying, oh, you know that word? You know that word that was sent first to the children of Israel, then to everyone else? That message of peace, it was published everywhere he went. See, I see that as Jesus wasn't talking a whole bunch of different topics. Jesus was talking that same thing. This is heaven. This is what the Father says. And if you're blind, if you're bruised, if you're poor, if you're brokenhearted, if you're lame, if you're captive, if you're a prisoner, I'm here. I love that prisoner piece. You know, uh, Mother's Day of, was it last year? It might have been last year. Mother's Day of last year, Pam preached this message, and part of it gave the difference between the prisoners and the captives. The prisoners, you did something wrong. The captive, you did nothing wrong. Yet, Jesus came for the prisoner and the captive. So it doesn't matter what category you're in, he came to set you free. Look at somebody and say, that's some good stuff. That's some good stuff.
1: Because the enemy would say, oh,
0: you did that, so you deserve this. Jesus said, I came for the prisoner, too. Came for the prisoner, too. But that thing was published everywhere. Everywhere. So we have to understand this picture of of repetition. Repetition. Saying it over, saying it over, saying it over. And that's why I am spending so much time on the culture, the scent at High Street Worship Center. We must catch this. Pastor, we heard this already. No, we got to hear it again. We got to hear it again. We got to hear it again. This thing needs to be preached everywhere. Every, this temple, the temple at home, and the temple that we live in, it ought to be the scent from Jesus. What is it? Love, unity, Holy Spirit, the word of God, humility. Now, it's not in that order. We've been doing a little bit different. We went over love. We went over unity. We went over the word of God. Let me just say this as it relates to, um, as it relates to unity. Uh, please, please don't gossip. Please don't gossip. I, I would almost beg you not to gossip. There's a, there's a fast, CGA fast, complaining, gossip, accusation. Please don't accuse. That's a form of the devil. The Bible says he is the accuser. Gossip and slander are related. Gossip is I'm not part of the problem and I'm not part of the solution, but I'm talking about it and you almost have to put the brakes on the writer in psalms put it this way put a guard put a guard over my mouth because before you know it i'm talking about people and so if we're going to have a culture of unity around here we have to make sure that we intentionally look at am i gossiping am i am i in gossips ugly uncle you know who gossip's ugly uncle is? Slander. That's when I'm talking about someone with the intent to injure them. Injure their reputation, injure their perspective, injure their character. So these are the kinds of things we gotta peel back. Yeah, peel them back. Because if, if you're not careful, you start, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. How was your day? Oh, it was, it was a little hard. Yeah, man. Because so-and-so said this. Before you know it, there you are. But in an environment like this where we are all believers, where we are, we are all supposed to be speaking the same thing, living the same thing, moving the same thing, we got to be very careful not to gossip. I refuse to gossip. Everybody say that out loud. Say, I refuse to gossip. Holy Spirit, help me. Now, what you don't want to do is hear somebody else gossiping and then say, man, I'm so glad I learned about gossip and not to gossip because guess what they were doing the other day? (laughs) So it's very insidious. It can sneak in, but it'll destroy a family. It'll destroy a relationship. It'll destroy a business, a country. It'll destroy a church. So we have to refuse to gossip. And you'll find yourself saying, huh, oh, wow. Now, if you look at Saint, um, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, you don't have to go there. I mean, in your Bibles, you can just write it down, verses 31, 32, it says, Let all gossip and slander and evil speaking be put away from you, including malice. And then it gives you the opposite. If we're going to stop eating that, what can I eat? Be kind. Look at that. Be kind to each other. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God for Christ forgave you. So this is why I repeat it over over and over and over. Because we can hear a cool message like, wow, Pastor, that was a great message. But then we can go home and forget. You know, uh, it takes 21 days to start a new habit and then another 21 days to get comfortable. And at some point, I don't know if it's going to be the end of May or so, we're going to go on a 40-day fast. 40 days, we're going to fast. What? Yep. But again, it's not going to be a food fast. It's going to be a CGA fast. For 40 days, we're going to fast. Why? Because we need to get comfortable with this new habit of not gossiping, and the most dangerous individual is the one who has a stronghold that says, I think I'm okay because I'm a Christian and I have a reputation, so it's okay for me to say this. All I have to color it, color it with is, look, let's make sure we pray for so-and-so. Well, why are we praying for them? Mm. You don't know? <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> you know, but because I got a Christian label, I think I have a license. No, that's why scripture has to be our guide for stability. And there are times, even when I get around other pastors, I have to say, hey, guys, we're going too far. We need to pray for them. And I get around spiritual friends, close friends. And sometimes, you know, they get an attitude with me. It's like, here we go. Well, let's remember what our Lord says. Say, okay, you know what, you're right. And that's, that's not a me thing. Sometimes people have to call me on it. It's like, Terry, oh, okay. you know what, you're right. Thanks for being a true friend. So we're going to fast gossip. We're going to fast complaining. Complaining is food for the demonic. If you want spiritual wickedness to show up, start complaining. Just like that guy who opened up that can of beer, and all of a sudden his friend showed up. Okay, what are we drinking? Whenever you start complaining, spiritual wickedness shows up. And so if you don't want that atmosphere in your life, in your house, and in this temple, then we make a decision, no, we're going to fast complaining. But you can't do it in your own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me a strategy. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, remind me. Remind me. And you can do it, and it really gets crazy with family. Because in family, man, Somebody does something, a cousin, a son, a daughter, or a parent, and then all of a sudden as siblings or his parents, you know. You know, we start talking, and next thing you know, you're tearing down your family. You're accusing your family. You're complaining about your family. That's why some of my biggest counsel comes during marriages and weddings and funerals. Because the emotions are peaked. And the enemy uses that as a time to pounce. You get families that are separated for almost decades. All because they didn't understand how to nip that thing in the bud. All right? Look at somebody and say, complaining, Complaining. gossip, Gossip. accusation. Accusation. Let's Let's stop it. With the power of the Holy Spirit. So you replace it with love and joy and peace and tenderness and oh yeah. So, what we're starting what we're starting today, and we'll we'll try and unpack it on Wednesday. you are really good if you can come out on Wednesday. Um, we're going to use everybody that comes on Wednesday. So take notes because this Wednesday we're going to we're going to use you all to do the teaching. Um, I'll start with First Peter five, and we'll go with verse one. 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 1, this is what he says. And now a word to you, and look who he starts with. He starts with me. When he starts talking about humility, he's starting with me, Pastor Terry. doesn't start with me telling everybody in the house. He starts with me, Pastor Terry. Any of the elders in the house, any of the leaders that are in the house. Look what he says. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. Excuse me. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, or I beg you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you... Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and your cares for he cares about you. Give them to God. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around looking like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Amen. What a picture. And I will say to you, if I ever get to the place where I'm walking around like I'm some head honcho. Please pull my coat, drag me to the ground. I saw my brother one day. He lives in Atlanta. I hadn't seen him for the longest time. And we met on one of the streets, and he saw me from afar, and he ran, like, Terry. And he ran, and he hugged me, and I thought he was just going to hug me. This man dragged me down to the ground in the middle of the street. That's my brother. I love him but if you ever see me as a leader and this thing has turned into the Terry Davis show, please pull me down, pray for me, don't follow me and pull my coat and say, Terry, what are you doing? Remember our Lord, we should be walking in humility. I got dressed this morning and I put this on. You got dressed and you put clothes on. Your number one garment you should be clothing yourself with, is humility. But I will qualify the humility because sometimes we think humility is just letting someone go in front of you. No, the first step to humility, and we'll unpack it as it gets into other steps, but the first one has to be before God. If you don't have that down, then you're going to miss it. You'll even glory in your humility. And that's how you know you really got it bad. I want to read something to you from my favorite book. I have raised leaders for years. And there are people who always say, hey, pastor, I think God's called me to preach. Or, hey, pastor, I think I'm supposed to be in this position. Or I'd like to lead in this way. The first resource I give them is a book by a guy named Andrew Murray. And you can write this down because this would be great for all of you to read this book. It's, a, it's an old book. It's a book by Andrew Murray, and the name of the book is Humility. It's Humility. And I'll read this as I close out my time this morning. Humility is the place of entire dependence on God. From the very nature of things, the first duty and the highest virtue of the creature and the root of every virtue is humility. And so pride or the loss of this humility is the root of every sin and evil hence it follows that nothing can be our redemption but the restoration of the lost humility. And so Jesus came to bring humility. He came to bring it back to earth to make us partakers of it and by it to save us. In heaven, he humbled himself to become man, The humility we see in him possessed him in heaven, and it bought him, and he bought it. And from there, here on earth, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. His humility gave his death value, and so became our redemption. And now the salvation he imparts is nothing less and nothing else than a communication of his own life and death, his own disposition and spirit, his own humility as the ground and root of his relationship to God. Jesus took the place and fulfilled the destiny of man. By his life, his humility is our salvation. And his salvation is our humility. Without this, there can be no true abiding in God's presence. There can be no true abiding in the experience of his favor and the power of his spirit. Without this, no abiding faith or love or joy or strength. Humility is the only soil from which all of the other fruits and all of the other graces have root. The lack of humility is the sufficient explanation of every defect and failure. Humility is not so much a grace or a virtue along with others. It is the root of all because it alone takes the right attitude before God and it allows God to be God of all. See, no matter where we go, it's got to start with God, you are everything. I am in total dependence on you and everything you say is and everything that you say is not is all true. And I move out of the way and I say, God, I accept that. And I depend on that. That's humility. You have to live like that. Before we move into anything else, I mean, even the fruit of the Spirit. While the fruit of the Spirit starts with love, man, if humility isn't there at the front, you won't accept the fruit of the Spirit. You'll choose what fruit you want or don't want to express. You'll choose what doors you open up to God, what what doors you open up in your marriage, what doors you open up in your finances, what doors you open up in your forgiveness. I'll forgive you, but I will not forgive you. Humility says, I say whatever you say, God, and if you want me to forgive her, I will forgive her. If you want me to forgive him, I will forgive him. Humility says, I am totally dependent on God and on God's word. That's why the word of God comes first. It says, if you want wisdom, let's walk in humility before God. Wisdom starts with humility. Starts with humility. Humility says, God said it. I'm on it. I am on it. So hold your hand up high. Say, Lord, today, as Jesus did, I humble myself. I give to you in humility all that I am. Oh, Father God, you are my creator, I am the creature. You created me. And so I give myself to you. I humble myself in your presence. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live in this posture every day in Jesus' name, amen. If there are those that are watching online someone that I didn't see a hand raised here and you've never accepted Jesus I want you to know that first step is acknowledging I need God I need him and I pray as we've talked about humility for these last few minutes the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to see that God is the creator it's God God Is he love? Yes. But he's got a plan. And he's got guidelines. And I beg you, I plead with you to say yes to him. I'm not going to tell you today that if you accept Jesus, you're going to get the best job and you're going to have the best house. You're going to have the best marriage and you're going to have the best kids. And there aren't going to be any problems. I'm not going to tell you that. Because we live in a fallen world. But I will tell you that with all of those things, God is good and he is a provider and he is a rewarder of those that seek him. And I ask you and I plead with you, humble yourself before the one who created the heavens and the earth. Say yes to him. Say yes to him. And whether you have a lot of money or just enough for every day, there is no life like life with God. There is no life like life in Jesus. And so please make Jesus the Lord of your life because he loves you and he wants to put you in relationship with the creator of the heavens of the earth, God the Father. It's simple, just say Jesus, I believe you died for me, Jesus. I believe you you were buried for me. Jesus, you were raised up from the dead for me, and I ask you to raise me up in a new life in God. I give myself to the holy God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Look at somebody and let them know God is so good. Say, he's huge but he's also good.